It's the week of March 25th, and this is MASHCAST number 85. of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. I'm Jarrett. I'm here with staff writer and podcast host Nick Zellenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? And also we have here sometimes podcast host Mikey Kenny. Yo. I, I sometimes. Want, it's like I don't want to say guest host because it's like you're on the show for like three, four weeks in a row and then you're gone for like a week or two and then you come back. So we're just going to say podcast host. Sometimes. I'm as free as the wind. I guess so. Not really, no. I'm pretty locked down type. <laughs> yeah, this is MASHcast number 85. And, uh, We're getting actually, up there. Yeah, getting up there. But that makes 15 more episodes until the, the 100th with... I don't know, we gotta do something special. I don't know, we'll see what we can do. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, we just... We're a couple days out of packs now. I'm not sleeping... Yeah, I'm not sleeping multiple times a day. At this point, <laughs> to recover. So that's I nice. hate you so much. That, that makes one of us. <laughs> Actually, I kind of wanted to have Mikey on the pack special edition just so he could bitch sulk. about how I wasn't there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's like, but no, I wanted to play no, Last of Us. <laughs> I wanted to like play. I was more excited with those indie games I saw. Like watching all the. Uh, what was that one? It was about a platformer, and they were jumping in and off the wall as shadows. That looked oh contrast. Yeah, that game was awesome. Yes. Yeah, fuck off. I don't. Want to, I know you play. I know you probably either played it or got to actually see it. Me, uh, Nick, and Joel played it. I hate you all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, I think Ray played it too, and she doesn't even write for the site. Oh man. <laughs> she's probably in the best condition. She does media. She's like that's something. Hey, but uh, let's uh, let's get into what we uh, normally do here. What's everybody been playing? Uh, Nick, why don't you go first? Um, I played a little bit more of Spec Ops: The Line. Uh, still fairly early in. Um, I actually had the opportunity to check out a game that we don't normally talk about on here. Uh, one of the better selling games of the last few years, Skylanders Giants. Really? Yeah, I went over to one of my friends' house, and their kid was playing that. And they were like, here, you play. And I was like, eh. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a decent enough game. It's uh, The uh, the little action figures are, are fun, and they don't, they're don't not quite as poseable as I'd like them to be. But uh, there's a, certainly enough of them. I mean, it's it's a virtual it's, – it's it's a real Pokemon where you actually have to pay to catch them all. So it's it's pretty brilliant on uh, – that's Activision uh, does that, right? It was a huge I, marketing scheme. Yes, yeah. and it's 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 very it successful. Works. It's very successful based alone on the bin of of, uh, of little figurines that uh, this and kid had. You know what's really sad? I am totally go- I am hook, line, and sinker for the Disney one. Are you doing a Disney one? You know that Disney whatever they're doing. 
No. Like it's basically <laughs> Skylanders, but it's got Disney Infinity. It's basically oh. Skylanders, but with Disney characters in this like oh. Disney World shit going on. I, I didn't realize there was actual like figures involved in that. Yeah, no, it's it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant marketing. Yeah. Scheme by, uh, uh, I'm gonna by by the developer. Um, and yeah. The game the gameplay is decent enough. I played through a few little things there, so I mean, nothing to nothing to really talk about there. But yeah, it was a it was an experience. They they got you, Nick. No, no, they don't. Be, don't be, if they had me, I'd be like, oh my god, I played the best game ever. You guys won't believe it. Now, next time I go to Nick's place, I'm going to search around. I'm going to find all the find Skylanders. Skylanders. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're not supposed to be in here. <laughs> that, actually might be, that actually might be fun. Now I want to buy a bunch of them and just hide them all over the place. Uh, is, that, is that Easter now? That'll buy, be Easter. Fuck the eggs. Just yeah. look for Skylanders. Oh, besides Skylanders, Nick's new favorite game. What else did you play? Uh, that was it. Okay. Well, okay. Well, what, what about you? What about you, Mike? What'd you get? What'd you play? I played Bioshock Infinite for like three minutes on low settings, and I was like, "This is bullshit." I want to play it on high. So now I've stopped playing it until I can get a better computer. Um, <laughs> it makes me upset. I want to play it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really want to play it, and I'm like, I don't want to play on low. So and I'm being like elitist like a, here. Like, a five I gotta minute wait. dialogue of how Mikey wants to play it. Uh, <laughs> um, what did I play this week? Uh, my unmentionables mostly. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty much it. Oh, I guess I played some more Fire Emblem, but. It's been a while since I picked that up, but other than that, that's about it. Okay. Uh, well, besides the stuff at PAX, I did play... Um, actually, I played the original Bioshock. I just kind of wanted to get into it. I, I, uh, I played it on console. I didn't play it on PC, and when you pre-ordered Bioshock Infinite, you got it free on P. You got Bioshock for free. So, uh, actually, I got some TF2 items, too. I didn't even think about that. Let me go check those out. But, um... You also got XCOM. I already had XCOM, so that means I have a, I have extra XCOM, then. So, okay, so you can gift it. That's awesome. Yeah, I can gift it to somebody. So, uh, yeah, I played the original Bioshock, and I forgot how creepy that game was. Even, uh, even with it being, like, how many years old now? And I don't think the game was made to be very scary. Uh, it wasn't made to be a horror game, but it definitely is very creepy. And I expected that creep factor to kind of transfer over to Bioshock Infinite, and it really didn't. And I guess I'll just start talking about Bioshock Infinite now. <laughs> um, yeah, because, like, well, you know, Rapture is dark. It's dank. Uh, the people are nuts. The people are insane. In Bioshock, because of all of the, uh, the, the the splicing and stuff, and there was definitely some moments in Bioshock that were very shocking and surprising, like that, like you know, toward the beginning when you're watching the, like you play, everybody here play Bioshock? Yep. Okay, so remember yep. the, the part in the beginning where you're kind of watching like the film, and then behind you, like after the film is over, behind you, like it it, it drops down the curtain or something like that, and then people run up to the glass and start banging on it. You remember that? Maybe. Vaguely. You know, it's been a while since I played Bioshock. So stuff like that, you know. Um, but yeah, Bioshock Infinite, that creep factor does not move over, like, at all. Even in the, even in the buildings, 
when it's yeah, dark. but oh, go ahead. I'll let you continue. Even the building where where it's darker. Because, I mean, you haven't, like, the, the thing the most you've seen so far, Mike, like, hey, did you even get to Columbia? Yeah, I'm in Columbia. Like, I I ascended, uh, yeah, I ascended into Columbia, that's all I'm going to say. Okay, yeah. So, like, that's, like, you're, like, you really don't see anything dark or the darker part of parts of the game until you at least, like, an hour and a half in. Well, yeah, but I figured it's... Considering Rapture is an underwater city dystopia that was falling apart at the pieces and because the of the splicers and things like that, they can do a little bit creepy. It's kind of hard to do that kind of creep factor with Columbia just because it's like it's set in the sky. It's going to be bright and shiny most of the time, I imagine. And like the people will be a little creepy, but not in the same way that the splicers were creepy. Like they're they're more... Well, the thing about the Different. people, the people, the thing about the people, the people aren't insane, but they are religious zealots, racist religious zealots at that. <laughs> um, like, actually, I, I didn't pick up on it at first, but you're gonna get to this part where, like, this guy's on stage and this girl comes out and hands him something. He's like, "Isn't that the prettiest white girl in Colombia?" <laughs> That's what he says, and then I'm like, "Oh boy." I know what's yeah. coming next. Well, it was it. during that time frame, so I mean, oh, yeah. it's kind of interesting that they. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they kept kind of true to that time period. Oh yeah, sense. they don't tiptoe around it at all. Like they bring out this. Uh, they have, they have this, uh, this black girl tied up, and they want you to throw something at her. And like while you're waiting, the guy's like, "What? You like your coffee black?" Like it was like the way he said it. It was like I was like, "Wow!" Like. They really aren't tipped on around, and as you progress through the game, it's a more prevalent issue. Like they, <laughs> you gotta go one place that has like a statue raised for John Wilkes Booth. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they praise John Wilkes Booth and condemn Wilkes Booth Abraham Lincoln. Condemn Abraham Lincoln, and there's a lot of you get these audio logs and it's like well, what did what did he actually emancipate and he goes through all this stuff it's actually it, it fits the time period and i was just happy they didn't tiptoe around it like assassin's creed did <laughs> you know like assassin's creed really tiptoed around that issue um but yeah like some of the areas you go into they're really like dark like the first you go into like i forget what it's like the house of crows or something like that and as soon as you walk through the gates, it, it immediately is different now. Like it's immediately, it immediately changes. It's the sky is grayer, it's dark. The lights are flickering. You go inside, like there's fucking crows all over the place. There's like body parts in some in some places. You know, lovely. Sounds great. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, like that's the thing. That's very, it's very dark. And like you know, you go in further, and there's like they they've got hoods and shit on, which I guess is appropriate. Um, but yeah, so it's like there are definitely some areas that are are, are creepy, um, like especially like the the like the the way they use the lighting is great because like when they when they uh first showed the motorized patriot like how he came out, like I didn't even know he was in there. I was in that room for a good ten fifteen seconds, and I did not know that this thing was in there because of how they used the lighting. So it was actually it, it was pretty cool. But um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's a good game. The creep factor definitely isn't there. It feels more adventurous. Like I have no reservations about walking around and exploring at all because I really don't feel like I'm in that much danger. 
you know? And I wonder if they did that because they wanted to make the game more accessible. Like, because I know a lot of people who didn't play Bioshock because, or play through Bioshock, because when they saw it or when they started playing it, they were creeped out by it. And a lot of people don't like that feeling. <laughs> a lot of grown men don't like the feeling of being vulnerable or scared. <laughs> so they, they'll, they'll ignore it. And I wonder if they did that to kind of, uh, you know, to kind of just, you know, open it up for a wider audience. The 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 Vigors are actually pretty cool. I actually I do enjoy the Vigors more so than I am enjoyed the Bioshock Vigors. Like uh, the the Bucking Bronco has to be one of my favorite. Where it, it tosses enemies in the air and they stay up there and you can like pluck them off. Um, one that I like is the electricity, where you can make like these cluster electricity bombs or traps and put them on the ground. Um, the crows are cru- cool, but I got tired of them very fast. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. And I don't even use the. Uh, I think it's called Devil's Kiss or something like that. That's like one of the first ones you get with the fire. I really don't even use that, but it's cool. The possession one is cool too, um, where you can possess enemies and more importantly, like gun turrets and stuff like that. Um, and I get you didn't like. Do you know about the tears, Mikey? Like, did you see? Shh, shh. I know of them. I don't. I, I don't want to know any more than what I've what I know. Well, the, Other than the fact that you can create you can create like barriers and walls and shit and yeah, that's, that's other things. That's pretty much all it is to it. Like okay, they're not like they're not very. Ob- I mean, I guess you, you can see them, but you don't always see them if you because you actually have to look in that direction and mm-hmm. kind of look into the tear, and then it'll show you what it will become. And you'll get things like barriers or hooks or sometimes like. Like, you'll, there'll be, like, a tear that has a motorized Patriot in it, and you'll get one to work for you. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, the tear's pretty cool. The thing I don't like is that Elizabeth, like, she constantly supplies you with stuff. And I wonder, because I'm playing on normal, just because I kind of want to play through the story. And um, I'm playing on normal, and I wonder if on hard if she does the same thing, but she constantly gives you stuff. Like, she's like, here's ammo. And, like, this is why you're fighting. Like, here's ammo. Here's money. And I'm like... Wow, like that kind of like where is she getting all this stuff from? <laughs> First of all, tears. No, I don't know. I saw I saw an article um, where they were talking about Elizabeth to a degree, and they were saying that they wanted to make sure that you saw her like as a companion, sort of as a boon, and not as like a hindrance. Like they didn't want her to be constantly getting into trouble and stuff that you had to be watching over her. They wanted her to be able to help the character and see her more of like an equal and a partner than this is somebody I need to take care of. Whoa. And so I'm wondering if maybe that's what you're you're noticing there is she's maybe a little more independent than you're used to. But she's, she's not independent. independent. She doesn't fight. Exactly. She's an independent. She should be grabbing a gun and killing. But I mean, if she if she just did the tears, that would be enough. I don't need her constantly feeding me ammo, and you know stuff, or uh, you know feeding me salt you so know. that I can use my powers. Because the thing is, like, it's kind of making me lazy. Like, I don't even look for ammo really anymore. I don't have to because yeah. I know if I'm starting to run low, she'll just give me some. So fu- fundamentally, of- they almost made her too useful that it's it's actually making her a bit of a hindrance to you. Yeah, she's like a really big backpack. Do you remember uh, Elika from Prince of Persia? Well, from the the animated one. Yeah. Not the animated one, but the uh, the CG, yeah. the cell shaded looking one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like she wasn't a hindrance. Like, like I'm trying. To, I've always I've been like c- curious because I always thought Elika was a really good AI partner. Yeah, and I was kind of interested like how Elizabeth would actually compare to Elika. She 
Elika was very was very helpful. Elizabeth is too helpful, I think. Okay. I mean, it's not annoying. It's not ruining the game for me. But like, if I if if I could do anything, I'd tone down the amount of help she's actually giving me. Hmm. To be honest with you, like it's it, it's it's nice to have around, especially for the tears and stuff like that. Um. I do sometimes it feels a little cumbersome though like how even on PC how much stuff you can do like switching between the different vigors you know and using the tears simultaneously and shooting a weapon simultaneously and the skylines and oh yeah that is cool too like dude like usually like with skyline I, at first I wasn't really using the skylines properly and then when I figured out how to use them properly I'm like this game is fucking game of the year like, I was fighting in an area, and there was a bunch of skylines around, and I'm hopping from skyline to skyline trying to get up to different locations. Like, there's an airship up here, there's an airship down there, there's a ship in the water, and enemies are pouring off of this. So I'm going from skyline to skyline, and then some enemies are jumping on the skyline behind me, you know, chasing me. And this is, like, a not-on-rail situation. This is just how what they were doing, you know? So these, the AI is smart enough to chase you down and all yeah. that. They're not just going to stand there and get shot. So these, like, little... Like, basically, you know, you go from having these fighting arenas that are usually one level to just multiple dimensions and multiple levels that you can travel at different speeds. It's... I would have to make a video explaining, like, you know, because I know there are going to be some people who just probably try to sit in the one area and fight off the enemies, but, like, dude, you, like... I, I segmented the enemies off... By using the skylines, bringing some enemies over here, then you hopping on another skyline, getting back to somebody who may be a bit harder, but now they're by themselves. So I can take them before their allies come back. You know? So like, it's it's actually really cool fighting with the skylines. And I, uh, I'm i looking forward to playing it again. I, I played for a long time. I'm like five hours in. And I, I, I just play, I started playing yesterday. So it, it was really cool. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. And I'm actually when we get done with this, I wish I could play it, but I'm gonna have to edit the podcast instead. <laughs> Did you hear about the uh the nineteen ninety nine difficulty mode? No. Um apparently if you put in the uh Konami code, uh it'll unlock it's called nineteen ninety nine difficulty. It's intended to be about as difficult as System Shock two, which was oh. released in nineteen ninety nine. Oh okay, yeah, so. I remember hearing it's a about too this. easy there. Uh, it's uh, what system are you playing on? PC. PC. Kind of answer. What kind so of question is that, Nick? That's true. That's true. That was bad of me. Um, so it's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. Cancel key, confirm key, and that will uh, enable 1999 difficulty mode. Well, I'll check that out. The one thing I will say about the game, it, it is gorgeous. It is a gorgeous game. I'm playing on ultra, 60 frames per second. It looks like a Pixar film. It is gorgeous. Best looking, best looking game out this year. And Crisis 2 has already come out. Crisis 3 is already out. Best looking game that's out this year right now. It's amazing. And if you're playing on console, there's no way you're seeing what I'm seeing. No, they've, there's been tons of people that have said that. Like, If you're going to play this game and you don't want to see it at its full potential, you have to play it on PC. Yeah, it is. With a know. good rig. Yeah, it is an amazing-looking game. I absolutely love it. Um, before we continue, though, one thing I want to bring up, because I talked about my crisis issue before, of, of the stutter, of the, of the lag, and I blamed it on Ubisoft. 
I was wrong. Fuck you, ATI. This is all <laughs> ATI's fault. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I, I started digging deeper, and I started looking, doing some research, and, and I, start, I found some people who were having the same exact issue. Um, and it definitely, it's, a, it's an ATI issue. I found a program called Radeon Pro, which allows you to use features on the card that aren't enabled in Catalyst. And I'm like, why are these features not enabled in Catalyst? So there's one feature called Dynamic VSync. I turn it on. I turned it on in Radeon Pro. Work Far Cry. Boom. I can play it perfectly now. 60 frames per second. No stutter at all. Hmm. And I'm just like, why is this not in, uh, why is this not enabled on in Catalyst Control in a, for for the ATI? Like why? But now, yeah, so Far Cry. As soon as I get done Bioshock, I'm going to come for Far Cry now. Now that I can actually play it. <sighs> Far Cry's pretty good. Like, yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's I know. So that's what I've heard. It's, it looks good, too. Yeah. So, but yeah, so that, yeah, I'll be, maybe the next time we do a MASH cast, I'll have, well, I'll probably have beaten Far Cry by that time, but we'll see. All right, so uh, now that that's over... Let's go into our topics. Not a lot to talk about this week, but we do have a few things. First off, uh, remember the Phantom Pain and also Metal Gear Ground Zeroes? Apparently, both of those trailers were Metal Gear Solid Five. Okay? And at GDC this week, Kojima has confirmed that Metal Gear Solid is going to be called Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. Or at least that's what he called the trailer. Maybe it's just going to be called Metal Gear Solid Five. But apparently both, like, it's like, Nick, you said it's like two parts to the same game. Yeah, um, it, it looks like basically the first act is what we saw in the Phantom Pain trailer of Snake trying to uh, escape from the hospital while it's under siege. And then the second act is the open world uh, Ground Zeroes where he's out in the world and uh, a little more mobile and, and uh, doing some stuff. And there, there's some crazy looking stuff in that trailer. Yeah, nothing I'm too surprised by. I mean, like, the thing about, like, the story of, of, of Big Boss is that you know where it leads him. So everything we see here is just leading to Outer Heaven. Or Outer Heaven, yeah. That's everything that we that he does is leading to that mm-hmm. point where you he has Outer Heaven. And then, you know, I wonder if we're, if we're going to see Snake, like the birth of actual Snake. So... Okay, I guess that's what I missed then. So the Phantom Pain and and Ground Zeroes are still following the tale of Big Boss climbing mm-hmm. to power. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. So you know how we had Snake Eater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I, I remember that. Mike. Huh? Remember the really bad trailer with the <laughs> really bad campy music? And all I can remember about Snake Eater is that really like that song that just. That, that song is amazing. I know, and I just, it's so funny, though, because anytime I think about Metal Gear Solid 3, I think to that song and just that woman saying Snake Eater in like the most ridiculous way. Dude, like, that, that song was amazing. Like, no, it that, was. I'm not doubting. It was just, it's just, I find it, I find it hilarious. I mean, when that song came on, like, because you think, like, when you play Metal Gear Solid 3, you're in the beginning of the game. You start the game, you figure out the beginning of the game, and then when that song comes on, you realize that you weren't even in the beginning of the game yet. Like, you were just fucking, like, like in the prelude to the game. 
Yeah. And then the song comes on. It's like, oh my god, like, yeah, I I had that song on my iPod. That was great. I don't want to hear any negative things about that mic. There's nothing negative. I wasn't being negative about it. It's a good mm-hmm. song. Okay. I just find that one part kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah. So apparently, both of them, or both of those games, are the same game, which is Metal Gear Solid Five. Um, but you know, it's GDC. The main part. Oh, I guess the main purpose of them showing that trailer is because they were going to show off the Fox engine. And apparently it got a lot of love. Uh, a lot of the, of the people who, had the, who saw, I guess, that panel were very impressed with the way they could take photos from outside and bring them inside. They were very impressed with that. Uh, like, I guess the mapping of the faces and things of that nature. Mm. So that was actually, it was, it was actually pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so besides all that, like that's all we really have about that game. Like we know that uh, Ground Zeroes is um, Ground Zeroes and Phantom Pain are the same game. They are Metal Gear Solid Five, and that Metal Gear Solid Five will continue to follow Big Boss, which I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, Big Boss did, is pretty badass. Did yeah. we know that Big Boss had like a fake arm? No, he doesn't have a fake arm. Well, if he loses it in the game. You sure that's him? That's what I'm asking. So then, if if that's not Big Boss, then who is that? I don't know. It could be. I don't know. It could be. It has. Does anybody have? No, Ocelot has. But yeah, that happened in Metal Gear Solid. Like Ocelot had his arm until Metal Gear Solid. You know, it looks like there's some kind of accident, and the protagonist, whether whether it be Snake or Boss, um, wakes up and they've got no eye. They lost one of their eyes and their arm. Right. And so they're, they're crawling around the hospital with. Uh, they're crawling around the hospital with the prosthetic arm. Mm. Big Boss already lost an eye. He lost an eye in Metal Gear Solid 3. Huh. Yeah. yeah so. Maybe maybe, maybe they just didn't have it patched up then. But, but yeah. he, definitely, he definitely lost an arm. That's why if you look, uh, there's the one image of him riding on the motorcycle. His, his left arm is, uh, is red and robotic. Oh. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I'm looking at that now. Good point. I don't know. Maybe they'll come up with something that he, you know, why he lost an arm. What's what if we run into Ocelot? Os- huh? we run into Ocelot again? Uh, probably. Looks, yeah, there's I mean. a guy in the trailer that looked kind of like Ocelot, and I don't know if it was like a clone or a younger version or what, but I, I don't know. He had like the coat and the white hair. Hmm. He didn't have the facial hair though. Uh, I guess we'll find out soon enough. I would, I would imagine that they'd have something for us at E3. Yeah, there'll probably be some big, huge trailer. They said if it's supposed to be out this year yet, or... I don't think so. I highly doubt it. Highly doubt it. How long did it take Metal Gear Solid 4 Sons of the Patriot from the first trailer? Yeah, yeah. Long ass time. Yeah, I just want to get it right. I don't mind waiting for for a Metal Gear game as long as they do it right. Yeah. Which so. they do. They always take their time with them. So it'll be here when it's here. Exactly. Uh, but let's see. Moving on from that. Uh, we have... Uh, well, actually, this is more from GDC. Uh, the writer for Spec Ops The Line, he said that violent games lack creative ambition. Walt Williams is his name. And he was just saying that, you know, games with like first-person shooters or, or you know, your violent games in general... There just isn't a whole lot of creativity there. And I guess he means that in the aspect of 
you know, why are you killing these people rather than just mowing people down, you know, or, you know, actually come up with a reason to actually, you know, shoot at these people. I'm like, you know, like Call of Duty is like a shoot, like single player that way. It's like a shooting gallery and a lot of first person shooters are. Go ahead. You want to say something, Nick? Well, I was going to say it's it's one of the older tropes on for video games as far as you know being able to go and, and kill people. I think once we once we developed the technology for that first person perspective, you know that was one of the first things that we did with it was to oh hey let's get a gun and start shooting stuff. And so I think to a degree, I mean we've been doing it long enough that yeah it is it is kind of played out just the generic concept of you know just run into a you know run into a situation and start shooting everything up i mean that's fundamentally the, the questioning of that is is spec ops spec ops the line yeah i mean i think that's why i like spec ops so much but even with spec ops you it really doesn't hit you until the end of the game mm-hmm. like you know every like once you find once, once you get to the end of the game and everything is revealed to you and it's not like it's a huge reveal it's not like they go through everything and say this is what happened it's just like you get that one final piece of the mm-hmm. puzzle at the end of the game and then everything that you did through the game connects and it makes sense but is it but i mean it's one of those things though where does it not hit you at the end until the end of the game because as a player we're just so used to this rails experience where you've got this guy like okay let's just get into this situation and start killing everybody here okay let's get into this situation now we got to kill everybody here that i mean it's something that we're just inundated with in these shooters you know for as long as we've been playing them that we don't we don't even think to question it until you know until until williams does at the end of at the end of spec ops that that's finally when we're able to look and say you know because fundamentally that that rail begins well before we put in spec ops i mean it's it goes back through through the history of shooters especially the call of duties well yeah that's the thing like you go through the game actually i wrote that editorial about it yeah you just go through the game thinking well this is the way it is i'm the good guy they're the bad guys and i'm gonna save some people exactly and that and then you get to the end and then they just ruin your life (laughs) (laughs) Yep. like I, I, i mean there's only a few games that have actually made me actually just sit and think and that's one of them like one one game was fucking infamous too when you have to make the final decision yeah i i I couldn't make that decision at the time i had to turn off the console and come back the next day and then there was this game yeah and then there was this day this game where after it's done i just sat there i just sat there and thought about everything that had just happened you know no but uh it just it's it's one of those things that it just it, especially in spec ops like at no point are you given the option to sort of question what's happening pr- previously in the game like you, you 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 know you've got uh, you have the main character and i forget his name and he's basically just saying like okay this is the situation we have to kill these people and that's it there's no 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 two ways about it at no point are are you given sort of the the option to compare it more to something like mass effect where generally in any given situation you know they are different games but at the very least you know it's it's in a way it's almost not as effective for mass effect to look into sort of this situation because they try to give you the option like do you want to be the paragon or do you want to be the renegade or you know there's there's other games where you're intentionally given the choice of you know of a non-lethal way to go through and and progress through the game and whereas here it, it's 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 still a rail shooter you don't you don't really get to look back and say wait a minute like why did i do all these things until the end 
when you when you had no choice but to do them. So it, it in a way, it's almost like he's being a little disingenuous to say like, oh no no, like you you put this game in and you played through you know ten hours of, of shooting people in the head, and now we're gonna look at you and say you're kind of a bad person for that. Um, you know, it's it's like at no point did, did was there a war, you know, like a warning or anything, or at no point did he give you the option of like, no, you don't, you can just you know radio for a chopper and get the hell out of out of uh, out of Dubai <laughs> and just leave the whole thing to to, to rot. At no point does he give you that option. Like you're kind of you're kind of stuck on that roller coaster as defined by him for the whole way. And it's it's a little, I mean, it's 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 effective for his point, but it's also a little cheap because if you did see that coming, or in my case, having talked to you about the game and vague, being vaguely aware of some of the themes, I can kind of see like you know maybe I don't want to go kill these guys, but no, I don't have that choice. I have to kill them to get to the next checkpoint. So yeah, because the thing is, if you don't, then you kind of miss, like. Well, I'm gonna say this. Yeah, you're right, Nick. You don't really have an option to get off of that rail. You kind of, you need to finish, and then you know you get to the end, and you know that's when they show you everything. But what that game did for me, it made me think differently about other games. I'm in other games now. Like, do I need to kill these people? Like, you know, like with Bioshock or oh, Bioshock Infinite. It's like you know, I don't go into every room guns are blazing. Like actually, it's kind of not worked out for me in some cases. Like I'll go into I'll go into like one of these <laughs> some of these places, and like I don't shoot people right away, and then like oh you startled the butler. The butler's gonna go tell everybody to come kill you. <laughs> you know it's okay okay so I kill those guys. But like let's say a game like um oh god was uh D- dishonored dishonored for example, uh you know I think maybe before Spec Ops I probably would have been more inclined to just kill everybody. But now I am actively seeking ways to not kill anybody in that game and get what I need done. But see, I, I think yeah. I think Dishonored is actually a perfect example because that's that's a game where it's not a straight up shooter. Where because you have that option to go through there, it, it allows you to sort of question the morality, and, and even then, like the game world plays into the whole morality there. And so I think I think fundamentally, I think that's Williams' fundamental argument is if you just make a game. That is on rails, and it's like, no, 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 we're just going to throw you in these situations. Just kill everybody. Just kill them. And well, but, that's lazy. That's lazy game, you know, games creation. Okay, I'll give you that. But yeah, like, the, the, like, yeah, Dishonored is like, well, it may not be a shooter, but it is still a violent game. Like, you can oh, roll God, through and yeah. kill everybody. Actually, it's much easier to roll through the game killing everybody. And uh-huh. See, that, th- and that, I think, is a beautiful point, too, is that it's almost like, the violence is e- it's violent. The violence is easy, but it's not the most rewarding path. It is definitely not the most rewarding. Like going through these areas and you know making in and out, getting my objective, and then you know. Sometimes though, it does feel really nice to just like stealthily kill each one of them one by one. That's when Mikey's having a bad day. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. Sometimes I just want to walk in a room and I want to just be able to just. Fucking shank every bitch, and then just walk past everybody, and they fall to the ground. But you know, but see, but when you're doing that, you're not looking for any sort of narrative lesson. You're really just looking to blow off steam. Yeah. So or just because I, mean, I felt like killing all these people in the room because I yeah. didn't like the way they looked. Yeah. So I mean, there's <laughs> not, and there's no, there's nothing wrong with that within the context of a video game. Um, but uh, no, I, I think I think it's, I think Williams is entirely right. That kind of gameplay to just put that out there is creatively easy that you know if you really want to make a, a game world that makes you question your actions yeah that takes more work 
because you have to come up with the questions and the answers. Yeah, but doesn't it prove – but didn't Spec Ops prove that you could have a narrow thing and then also question your actions afterwards? Yes. And that's – but the thing is it's like – and that's part of the, the other argument that he makes is basically he's like he doesn't know what to do with the shooter now. It's like he kind of – he made the game that questions the essence of the shooter and it's like where do you go from here? It's like he already kind of – mastered the genre in a way like now there it's like he doesn't know what the next step is well no there should he should make a game another military shooter where you know you get to a certain point and you can have the you know you can either start you can start shooting right away or if you go over to the side maybe talk to the right people but hey you know the game ends because you talked it out peacefully <laughs> the game ends in the first conversation yeah it's like yeah <laughs> oh okay. like, we were just here to get water <laughs> You know oh my god! <laughs> or you know what, guys? We don't want to do this mission. We'll all die terribly. Let's just go home. All right, deuces. Uh, we we have goods to trade. <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> but yeah, but again, I think to his point, that to to do that is more work than a regular video game would take. And and the game, a regular violent game, just focusing on that is too is too creatively easy. It's it's if you want to actually make. If you actually want to make a game that actually has some of these questions, it takes more work. That's true. But to, oh, yeah. that, to a degree, like creativity doesn't just mean, I guess, the, the way the dialogue goes or how the story goes. Creativity could be how you program the AI. That's true. That's you true. Know, that could be creativity. So I would love to play an extremely smart AI, even if I have to mow all, like kill all of them. It's actually a challenge for me to play against them. Like They're not idiots. Yeah, like if I could get a... AI that actually thinks like a person would. Like, yeah. You know, push push when you're weak. You know, pull back when you're not. Uh, you know, or, you know, basically fighting to their advantage. Well, yeah, I kind of, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to The Last of Us, based off the fact that like, they're smart enough to hear when you're, when you click on your ammo. Like, yeah, appara- well, supposedly. And, supposedly, we'll see. Supposedly. Well, yeah, that was a scripted scenes. Yeah. So, well, they say it's not scripted, but you know, demos. Demos, yeah. Oh, the AI that we well, me and Nick played Last of Us at PAX, and the fucking AI that we dealt with, uh, the the friendly AI was dumb. <laughs> the friendly <laughs> AI was stupid. Yeah. God dang it! So least. you're going from overly helpful to retarded little girl. Yeah. Which, yeah who 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 is more annoying than Tess or Elizabeth? Oh, absolutely, Tess. <laughs> I, I just want to Tess to die so badly. Like, please, somebody God. eat her. She was Mon- supposed to be smart. No. What happened? Her, well, on that happening. Yeah, her her AI is dumb because every time she came close to a like a clicker or like you know an infected, even if they weren't attacking her, she'd start shooting and just attract a bunch of infected to us. Oh my God! They didn't no, fix she, that. Did they? Did they actually? kill her then or if they killed her did that end your demo i don't know no i don't think so like, i don't you, think she you can die. actually like get get her out of there i don't think sure she can that... i don't think she can die uh, I, I, threw a mo- that's worse. I, I threw a molly at her feet and she didn't die so <laughs> yeah was that intentional yeah because i needed to get out <laughs> so she 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 was fine she's fine so you know. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I, I think he brings up some good points here. But it's he really didn't pull up a solution. He didn't. I don't think he. I don't think he really talked about a solution to the problem. No, I think if he had the solution, he'd be making that game. 
I think that's he, that's what he that's why he's bringing it up. I think he's stumped by it. He he wants to know where to go, and he he he's out of ideas. Yeah, that's true. So hopefully, together, the development community can answer that question. But uh, moving on to our next topic, uh, it's it it's actually a theme that we've been hearing over the last few months, or maybe the last year at this point, of how Microsoft is losing the battle for indie developers. That Microsoft is difficult to work with if you're a smaller studio. And uh, it was an article on Penny Arcade where, you know, it talks about the differences. Like, there's so many developers that talk about how difficult it is to get patches done or just published on Xbox Live in general. Like, to get published on Xbox Live, you have to partner with an actual publisher, like EA. Like, that's how Mark of the Ninja... Well, not Mark of the Ninja. Um, Shank was published through EA. Uh, Mark of the Ninja was published through Microsoft Studios. You know, a lot of these games on Xbox Live that are made by smaller studios, they have to partner with the bigger publishers. But if you're an indie studio, that's really not going to happen. Not to mention if you need to patch your game, like the fees that are associated with that and certification. Uh, whereas with, you know, Sony has been opening the doors. Like, you know, Sony has been much, it's, you know, they're always saying how much easier it is to work with Sony and how Sony actively tries to make it easier for indie developers to get their um, to get their their games on their platform, like according to Sony, there used to be it used to be a sixty four step process to get your game on PSN, and they've been actively working to get that down from sixty four steps to two. And according to developers, and especially like you know around the launch of the PS four, so much positivity coming from the development community. You know, talking talking about Sony and how they're really they're really making this developer friendly. And if you make them developer friendly, that's going to make the titles. If you make the titles, that's how you get the people. Didn't we see an article a few weeks ago about uh, the the expected attendance for GDC and how it was becoming increasingly more indie developers and the, the number of uh, attendees from AAA publishers was decreasing. Well, yeah, at least percentage wise, it wasn't, it wasn't just indie. It was, it was it was mobile. 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 Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I, I I get the feeling that you know we're we're seeing a shift overall from you know the big game studios that uh, you know do with developers you know more populating more of the indies and it seems like that's sort of the direction the games are going. I think there's there's you know one of the things that we talked about even um, sort of the concern that that some of the bigger studios and you know even then some of the console developers uh, might suffer because there won't be. You know, the big the 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 gaming ecosystem won't support them. That everything's going to have to come from the indies, and at least the indies seem to be flourishing at this point. Well, the, so that it's not too much of a concern. But thing, I just oh, go ahead. I just want to finish her. Um, but it seems like at least Sony. It, 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 I don't know if they acknowledge that fully, but at least they embrace that. And they're like, okay, like again, it, as a company that's interested in a gaming device, you know, you want to be inclusive of all the games that you can. And if there's a large indie community that's active and vibrant, you want them on your system. And it seems like Microsoft. I don't know. I don't know if it's just through either just poor vision or if they openly have no strong interest in welcoming that indie community. But yeah, they're excluding them to their to their detriment. Well, yeah. The the thing I think one of the, the reasons of the shift is because AAA budgets are just exploding. Like you know, like they're going up in in a bad economy. Like the budgets for these games are going up. Which I'll be honest with you. Most, I honestly think that's because of marketing. It's because they, the way they market these games to try to get, uh, you know, a wider audience. But it, it seems like the only developers who have 
you know, um, reasonable budgets are the indie devs. And you have studios like Supergiant making games like Bastion and Transistor. You mm, know, which Transistor was, looks so good. Oh, I played that at PAX too. It was awesome. I fucking hate you even more. <laughs> and, Every time I hear I played that at PAX too, I'm just going to be like, another hate tick on the hate meter you, you, you just need to write to. I to need that. Jared, I need a hate meter <laughs> I need it on the right corner. <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of this podcast, hate meter <laughs> But, um,. Yeah, like, you know, and just, I mean, think of how many indie devs we see come out with amazing games, and, like, you, you, you know, you enjoy those games more than you enjoy, like, some of the AAA, you know, I enjoyed, a lot of, yeah. Yeah, a lot I enjoyed, of the AAA stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed Limbo a lot compared to a lot of some AAA games that were right. shit. I mean, I think that AAA definitely has its its place, like, you know, like, for example, Bioshock Infinite, I don't think an indie studio could have pulled oh, off that game. Oh, fuck no. You no. know, like... Fuck no. That takes a lot of resources, you that know. Take, yeah, and they're gonna—I honestly think they're gonna get that money back. But you know, you have games like Bioshock Infinite, and then you have games that cost as much as Bioshock Infinite to make, but don't have near the quality, you know, or they're just not as fun to play. And that says a lot about the people who are actually developing the games. And where they're actually... <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> but um you know it says a lot about people making the games and where they're putting their money um but yeah true like the the, the the indie devs have reasonable budgets and are making very good games uh but sony is definitely has embraced indie studios they even have the pub fund so that they can give indie studios money to help complete their games before royalties you know, so indie studios don't go broke while they're making a game. And that's Sony, and then Nintendo has also been stepping up recently. They've reduced some restrictions, like you don't have to have a physical office anymore to get a development <laughs> kit. You know, with the and the uh, the thing about the, the the Wii shop or the eShop developers, I think this is the only console that this can happen on. Developers can set their own prices, like they were mentioning. Uh, Little Inferno launched at fourteen or launched at fifteen dollars, and then they did a sale for ten dollars, and just decided to keep the price at ten dollars. They can sell it for whatever they wanted. I guess Nintendo just takes a cut of that, and that's actually a pretty good strength for Nintendo because I don't even think Sony allows that. Microsoft definitely does not allow that. No, I don't think Sony allows that. Yeah, but you know, with with at least with the Wii U, they can set their own prices, and that rivals PC. They can do that on Steam, right? I mean, yeah, that's why I said it rivals PC. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, go ahead but, no but that that just makes me think like Microsoft all of it seems they care about is like as long as we've got the big AAA titles on here that people are like oh hey I can play my big important you know Call of Duty on here or my Madden on here and then I can also use my box for you know Hulu and Netflix and all that like it seems like they don't they don't think they they almost don't think there's any market for anything beyond that or at least they're not cared, well, they don't care about that market they didn't used to be that way though like I think it's evolved into that, but like, remember when the Xbox was starting to try to pull all these indie developers in to try to, you know, boost their repertoire of indie. But now that the Xbox has kind of outgrown its own pants when it comes to like services, it's kind of moved in that direction. Uh, I mean, well, they try the the Xbox Live indie game section was definitely there to help pull indies into the Xbox as a marketplace where they could just sell their stuff freely. 
But there was a couple problems with it. Like, one, like, getting games to actually release there at a certain time is damn near impossible. You have to get it approved via your peers. But second, the, 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 the size restrictions of the games led to a lot of shitty games. Mm-hmm. Like, how many back massagers can you make? Apparently, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's what the, a lot of the indie games were for stupid stuff like that. Stuff that makes your controller vibrate and shit. I guess the Xbox Indie Games was a joke at first. Is it possible then that maybe they just feel they got too burned by it and they're they're actually not taking it seriously now that they should? I don't think so. Like anybody that anybody with a with a half a brain could tell you that it was the restrictions that killed that shit. So do we think that Microsoft has half a brain? Well, they got to. I was like, they have to. I mean, it is clear their strategy relies heavily on services, and that's what they're putting on the forefront. But at the same time, they're shunning any developers. Um, even though at PAX, I got a chance to talk to two indie devs, and these devs publish exclusively on Microsoft on on Xbox, and they said for them everything is fine. This, you know, actually, and I, I will note that both of these developers have contracts with Microsoft. Like the Microsoft offered them a contract. But you like, well, one was uh Scott Studios. They uh I believe the first indie game they made on the Xbox was I made a game with zombies in it. And apparently it was popular enough where Microsoft threw them a contract and then they made uh the dishwasher vampire smiles and they're making uh Charlie Murder, which Charlie Murder is actually pretty awesome. Yeah. Um so yeah, so the the they are indie, and they have no problems with Microsoft. They've come to, you know, say it's, he says it's business negotiation, and their negotiations have gone well. Both sides are getting uh, what they want from the deal. So it's not not that Microsoft is all bad, but I'm thinking maybe is it because are they having an easier time because they have these contracts with Microsoft? You know, like they have the the contract, um, like you know, they're they're locked onto those those platforms to make those games. And maybe it it makes it easier for them to deal with Microsoft rather than somebody who might port their game to another, like you know, to another console or platform like Super Meat Boy, you know, or you know, Jonathan Blow just got done, you know, a couple of weeks ago talking about, you know, a deal that went sour with Microsoft and how he's gonna go PS4 now. You know, actually, the the, the indie devs, uh, you know, they uh, said that the. They know other studios like that have done just fine on Microsoft. They know some that, you know, the contracts haven't gone well, and the, and these studios aren't, you know, I guess not necessarily saying talking about it, but making a big deal about it. They just go somewhere else. Well, you know, that I think might be an interesting question, um, as far as you know, in the indie in the indie studios because they're a smaller operation. You know, you've got you know people wearing more hats. And maybe it's just possible that some of these developers should not be handling business negotiations. So, you know, they may be awesome at coding and maybe even, you know, getting their game out there. But then when it comes time to actually sit down with Microsoft and hash this out, you know, Microsoft has their army of lawyers and they just eat them for lunch and they don't mean to. It's just it's just simply an incompatible relationship. And so, you know, that's why some of maybe some of the larger companies, maybe some of the more savvy companies are able to negotiate that minefield and actually get these contracts done. And at least it seems like Nintendo and Sony, I don't know if they're, they don't seem to be as rigid in that regard. Cause it almost seems like, I mean, you know, nothing, I guess, you know, bad or good for like a studio like Ska, but it, it, just, it almost seems like Microsoft is a very 
set idea of like this is the kind of indie developer that we want to work with and if you don't meet all of these criteria at some point the negotiations are, are going to fall apart and you know the two developers that you happen to talk to it seems like they they hit, they made it through without hitting any problems and it worked out for them but if it, it seems like if you want to have more games on your system you need to be a bit more flexible yeah but the thing is it's up to Microsoft to speak the language of the developers. Without without developers, they just have a box. Well, they, I mean, because the developers don't need their platform. They're not well, the only game in town. But I think they would look at it though as like we don't need the developers because we have these other services. We have these AAA games. It should be your privilege to put your game on our Xbox. And they do view it that way, and that's the problem. Yeah, they view it that it's a privilege to be on the Xbox, and it's not like we, that. That's just another vehicle that we don't have to take. So that they could put it on uh, PS, and they could put it on the eShop. They could put it on Steam, and they will be perfectly fine. If I were them at this point, I'd be more worried that they can put it on Ouya, or they can put it on the Shield, or, or the you know your Android phone. Yeah, the, Moga that, baby. <laughs> oh God! Hey, no, I t- I tried a Moga while I was at PAX and the Shield, and dude, mm-hmm. I was so pleasantly surprised. Really? You see my picture? I I, twi- I Instagrammed yeah, I a picture. It. I Instagrammed a picture saying this is what consoles need to be afraid of. Yes. Because yeah. it, like Nick played it too, and it was very comfortable. Very comfortable. Except for the shield. <laughs> well, yeah, Nick didn't like the shield, but that Nick's a pansy. What? <laughs> no, I, I I thought the shield was fine. It fit my hands just fine. Nick thinks it's both too light and too heavy. Yeah, yeah I didn't. I think I was just having an off day when I played it. <laughs> he just but, wanted to whine about something. I just did, yeah. No, but uh no, I think I think at this point Microsoft should be very very worried, especially cuz the the Ouya can do streaming. The uh you know, like a lot of the services that Microsoft is reporting to offer, I feel like they they're, they're going to get attacked from from uh, from several directions and I don't think they're nearly as secure as they think they are. And they really should be looking to sort of, you know, make their device as welcoming as possible to all parties, because that's the only thing that's going to save them. Yeah, pretty much. And they need, like, they need the the indie developers to be, you know, putting stuff on on their platform that people want to play. Especially like making developers so feel so secure that they will go, uh, you know, exclusive with their games. Yeah. On their platform. But right now, according to the the, the climate, it just doesn't feel like the developers are, you know, that happy with Microsoft in general. And Microsoft, if they continue to ignore this, that I think if, they, if Microsoft continues to ignore this, I think that's a bigger problem than Nintendo ignoring everything else. Because Nintendo's not ignoring this, though. That's the irony. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo's not ignoring this, but Nintendo's like, oh, you don't really need to play online. <laughs> you know, it's like, who wants to play online? Like, you know. Bigger and Nintendo ignores some pretty big issues, but this is not one of them. Like their software packages will be perfectly fine. So, but um, yeah, I guess we can move on to our next topic <laughs> because uh, I've said about everything I'm gonna say about that. Okay, oh, you guys okay? Like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm quiet. Agree silence. You agree? You agree with silence? Like, okay, yeah, we're good. <laughs> Moving on. Moving right along. Um, there was another article on Penny Arcade called Disappearing Multiplayer. Uh, it talks about the disappearing multi. Uh, you know, well, the games coming out now. There are more games coming out now that are missing multiplayer than before. I think, well, there's a, there's a chart here. 
And it said back in 2006, 67% of games had online multiplayer, 58% had offline multiplayer, and 28% had no multiplayer. And now it's 42% have online multiplayer, 44% have offline multiplayer, and it, uh, 16, I'm sorry, and what is that? 41% have no multiplayer. So it, it's, it's, it, it feels like the developers are cutting out that part of the development process where they don't see that they need it, which is good. Because mm-hmm. back in 2006 or 2007 when this was happening, when every single game has some type of stupid multiplayer, I always said, why does this game have multiplayer? Why does Dead Space have multiplayer? You know, why fuck? Right now, why does Tomb Raider have multiplayer? There's no reason for Tomb Raider to have multiplayer. Exactly. It's because Uncharted had multiplayer. But you, you know what? The, 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 the publishers started putting multiplayers into every game because that's how they were going to try to combat... Uh, secondhand sales. That was their way to combat secondhand sales, and they put the well, they wanted to put the multiplayer in the game so that people would continue to play the multiplayer, would continue to play the multiplayer, and not trade it in. DLC has taken that place. Now the goal is to put you know have the game loaded up with you know like a year's worth of DLC, you know that you can get. So that players keep the discs and hopefully buy the DLC as it comes out. That's why they're not putting multiplayer. That's not why they're not shoehorning multiplayer into games anymore. Even though some people still haven't gotten a memo, for example, Tomb Raider, who all of their <laughs> DLC is for the multiplayer. That's not how you do it. <laughs> That's not how you do it. Like, I would buy Tomb Raider multiplayer if. Uh, sorry, I would buy Tomb Raider DLC if it was for the main game. Like, if it led to mm, other areas, other it. adventures. Oh, you already traded it in? Yeah, I'm done. Damn, Mike. <laughs> Damn. Love them and leave them. Wow. <laughs> I don't have time to fuck around with shit. I got I got games to play. I got too much. Oh, man. Love them and leave them, Mike. Uh-huh. That's the name of this podcast. Oh, well, 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 woke up and she was already out on the curb. <laughs> Look, she already she already got dirty. I was done with her, and it was just game set. I'm not having any more of Laura Croft in my library right now. Oh man, Mike, he is a smooth criminal, man. Like what? shit. <laughs> well, it's not. I've got. I still got Faith from Mirror's Edge. Like she's still chilling in my library. <laughs> oh wow! I put him in the pocket. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, yeah, actually, I have mirrors at here too, but I also have Laura. She's still here. Oh, and Drake. I've got Drake like three times in my library. Mm. Uncharted. Yeah, yeah. I actually, yeah, actually, when I beat Uncharted 3, I'll probably trade those in, to be honest with you. Mm. See, I kept Uncharted. I like going, I'll actually go back and play those again for some reason. Like, I like the stories in Uncharted. Gotcha. But, but uh, yeah, but that's the thing. Like, there actually there are a lot of. I mean, of course, Call of Duty. All of the DLC is multiplayer related, best because people actually play that multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Um, however, for games like Uncharted, uh, Tomb Raider, with multiplayers that nobody's gonna play, you know that the DLC is not gonna help it. You know, you need like Borderlands DLC. Is actually like if somebody had that game, they probably wouldn't trade it in because that DLC is all game related. Yeah, you know, I know. Single, just, yeah, yeah it, it, it actually. One of these DLC is good. It actually expands yeah. the story. They add care. They add classes. So yeah, exactly. That type of DLC 
is worth it. But not the DLC that you, you know, for multiplayer. But yeah, this is why, I can tell you exactly why there's less multiplayer. It's because DLC took that that place. Like, they're still trying to find a way to combat, uh, they're still trying to find a way to combat secondhand sales. And, and well, <laughs> soon enough, so, Sony and probably Microsoft are going gonna to snuff that out of existence due to, uh, you know, primarily going digital distribution. Yeah, if they do dumb, if they do digital, like that, that would be the ultimate way to do it. You know, s- since since the launch, because I guess this this chart that we're referring to is just for the Xbox 360 and the PS3, but it says it's it's all retail titles, so that's not including anything on the arcade then or the the indie games. Well, because yeah, because I would feel like even even a, independent of that, I feel like a lot of indie, you know, like a lot of indie games tend to have more single-player experiences. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they can actually focus more on the single-player because they don't have to worry about use game returns. Exactly. I mean, once you download the indie game, it's it's yours. You you can't trade that back in. I mean, they don't have to suck you in with multiplayer. You get the experience they want to give you. Makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not much of a mystery. I don't even think it's a problem, to be honest with you. No. Uh, because thank you. Use those development dollars to make something else to make the game better. Yeah. Fix those bugs. Make DLC. I actually want to buy. I'm not yeah. anti DLC. The only time I'm anti DLC is when I feel that a part of the game was removed for you to sell it as DLC. Like the, like the Battlefield Three back from car, back to car can. Street Fighter Cross Tekken characters on the disc. Exactly. You know. Fuck you, Capcom. Yeah, like stuff like that, I'm against. But other than that, like extending the experience of the game, or like you know the the Scott Pilgrim DLC, I'm not sure if it came out or. Dude, yeah, it finally came out. Like, like, yeah, like old, how how old is that game? It's got online multiplayer now. I'm looking for people to play. <laughs> oh really? Because I would totally play with you. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, like, I'd I'd have to start with the other characters because I got one of them pretty actually. Yeah, they. The, I never the finished. Char- I never finished Scott Pilgrim. What? I didn't have anybody to play with. Oh uh, yeah, that does kind of suck to play. It really sucks to play that game solo. I did it. it is, it's a, it's a tough game. Like it is a tough game to play solo. Well, it's cl- it's a classic arcade beat 'em yeah, down. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, they can use that money somewhere else. You know, they can use that money somewhere else. And thank you, thank you <laughs> for using your yeah. money somewhere else now. So I guess we can thank DLC for that. Mm. <laughs> that's one good thing. We can stop shoehorning multiplayer into games. I just, I just thought this article was interesting though, because especially like I know even like with recent releases like God of War, you know, introducing multiplayer there, and there was a debate whether they wanted to add that or they were told to add it, you know, based off some sort of mythical checklist. Um, but it was kind of interesting to see just the general, you know, the sort of the gen- general opinion you might get listening to the media is, you know, oh hey, like you know, we're, they're throwing multiplayer in all of these games unnecessarily, and that's completely not the case, and it's sort of refreshing to sort of actually have some numbers to support that, you know, I guess if, if that is happening, it's it's more the exception than the rule. Yeah. yeah I, I guess I, I kind of agree with you there. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm happy that this is the trend that's happening now. It's just sad that Tomb Raider had to be part of it. I guess they didn't get the memo. Like, <laughs> oh, what? Oh, man, oh, we got all this DLC for the well, multiplayer? Maybe- they could have thrown they, some more tombs in or something. Yeah. It's a fucking multiplayer. Right. 
Maybe they should get the memo because uh, I guess what they didn't sell enough for Square Enix, so they're restructuring now. They didn't. I didn't read that. Yeah, uh, that between that and Sleeping Dogs and uh, well, Sleeping Dogs was kind of. I don't. I kind of saw that not selling well, but it's still an amazing game. It yeah. is. It got very high. I think it got very high. Ratings. Critically acclaimed, didn't sell. I've no, heard that. So- all the games were critically acclaimed. It was Sleeping Dogs, Tomb Raider, and one other game that I can't think of. Uh, but the three of them all had lower than expected sales numbers, and, and Square Enix is panicking a bit. Well, you know, maybe, maybe they expected too much. That made yeah. them. Because every person I talk to about Sleeping Dogs loves it or wants yeah. it. You yeah, know? and Tomb Raider was great. Like I've I've got no problems with Tomb Raider. It was good. It just I don't know what they were expecting. Final Fantasy. You know, expecting I, Final Fantasy sales because I'll tell you right now that ain't gonna happen. You know, <laughs> they should have me in some of these meetings. And like, let me just take a peek at what you expect. Nope, not happening. No, but you know, I, I almost wonder, and it almost pains me to say this, but I mean, like you know, like you're saying, everybody you talk to love Tomb Raider, and it's like we tend to run in more of like a hardcore gaming circle, and so everybody there, you know, values gameplay, they value good games above and beyond, and maybe they're, they're you know, the casual gamer for them, they want the 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 the, the scantily clad Lara Croft. And they didn't get that, and so maybe there's a market there that was just like, oh well, that's not the Tomb Raider I remember. Nobody, nobody's buying Tomb Raider to see a scantily clad Lara Croft. No, no one, not anymore. Not anymore. Well, I not even back then. Like, who was really? That was just a bonus. Who was really <laughs> buying those games to see a scantily clad woman? I'm who, sure some sick freak who, was. Who is buying? But yeah, but that's a that's a low low minority yeah. there no, might be I'm, some people who are really turned on by video game characters that aren't wearing anything but seriously who is it's the gameplay who Lara Croft could have been wearing a business suit you know for a, for the new Tomb Raider and I still would have played that shit hilariously you know I think that's my point is you would have played that shit but how many you know I, I think it's safe to say you don't represent the average gamer they put a gun in her hand right <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I'm pretty sure they'll buy it. Yeah, that's the thing. Like nobody's buying it because of how the characters look, except a very slim minority. Oh, they also I'm gave her a bow. So you know, a... bows are in right now. Bows are definitely <laughs> in right now. But that's the thing. Like I don't like just because Laura Croft, the way Laura Croft was changed, I cannot believe that that is the reason the Tomb Raider did not sell well. Well, I, 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 well hold on. I, I'm not saying it didn't sell well. But I'm they just saying, whatever the, whatever the margin is between their expectations and what it actually sold, I wonder if that would account for that. Yeah, because somebody's having that conversation. Oh, her tits aren't out anymore? Forget about it. Well, I don't even know what, what the That's going to be interesting to see if maybe if, if, you know, whatever comes out of this restructuring, if we get Lara Croft in the short shorts again, then, you know, then we'll we'll know what Sony blames the loss on. You mean Square Enix? Square Enix. There's Square Enix, yes. Crystal Dynamics, whatever. Yes. Yeah, no. I, I, I just I can't see it, Nick. I, I maybe I have too much faith in humanity. <laughs> you mean you haven't you haven't lost your faith in humanity yet? Not not totally, no. But maybe I maybe I have too much faith in humanity and eh, fuck it. Yeah, I, I can't believe that. <laughs> I don't I don't believe that's the reason. I believe the reason is just because there's so much shit coming out this month. Well, they're, like that, they're like Tomb Raider came out, Gears of War three came out, God of War three came out. Everyone was holding money back for Bioshock Infinite. Like, 
This has been a cluster crap full of like triple A titles. Yeah, like March is like empty your wallets. Give me the cash. Like, I'm freaking <laughs> broke. Like I'm trying to like scrounge up dough for injustice coming up. Dude, I, just, I have to eat tomorrow. Yeah, like <laughs> I gotta buy ramen. Yeah. Like <laughs> No, but seriously, like, I still have to buy gears because I, I actually want this gears because it was made by people who fly. I'm gonna I'm gonna go rent uh God of War three through Red Box and try to beat it in a day. You probably can. I actually hear it's I, terrible what, though. Like, yeah, that's why I'm gonna red box it. I'll be like, whatever. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But uh I think it's gonna bring us to the end of our show. Yes, yes. No. Actually, this is going to be the last show for three weeks. This is the this is the end of season three. Bum, bum, bum. Season finale. That's, How do you say finale in French? We don't we don't do cliffhangers. We're not douchebags like that. What happens next time? Will Mikey <laughs> make it to the next podcast? Will Nick still be telling terrible jokes? Like yeah, like I don't know. <laughs> I think it's safe to say he will still be telling terrible jokes. Seriously. That's not much of a cliffhanger. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So this is gonna be this is the last episode for season three. We're gonna take about a three week break. I don't know, maybe four week break, but three week break <laughs> right now. Uh, however, we're not gonna leave you hanging like we had before. We are we are gonna have a few special editions for you, uh, at least two, maybe maybe more. But uh, the the regular mash cast we will not be doing for the next three weeks so we can get ready for the next season and hopefully I don't have some new interviews for you or something new to make the MASHcast better. Uh, we're always taking input, so if there's something you want to hear, something you want us to drop, like, hey, if you hate what have you been playing, let us know. We might get rid of it. <laughs> no, Jared likes talking about what he plays way too much. <laughs> hey, I have a lot of important shit to say. I'm just saying, out of all three of us who talk about what we're going to play, you go on about it more than any of us. Mikey, you're fired. I am. <laughs> I'm not going to make it to next season. That, Bye, that's your cliffhanger. How's Mikey coming back? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we will... Reborn. <laughs> we uh yeah we're gonna be taking a, about a three week break but we do have a special section the special edition that's coming out next week is going to be about uh actually what is it about we just recorded the other week <laughs> wait what the, the special edition we just recorded oh, uh, why are games, why record? games easier what? now yeah yeah oh, yeah there we uh, go we did have like a long conversation about yeah that. yeah so that's that's it <laughs> i feel like, old oh, that thing yeah that right. thing so uh, and also, I think we're gonna, we're actually going to do a special edition on, I guess, the first quarter of you know games because it's the end of the first quarter officially. God, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So Where the we. Fuck is the time going? Yeah. So we'll do that soon. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll have that stuff ready for you, and we'll be back with a regular show in three weeks. Um, but as always, you can catch us on SoundCloud.com/slash mash those buttons. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter dot com slash mtb site we're also on itunes uh if you want to if you want the podcast come directly to your ipod we're on stitcher smart radio which streams on your android and ios devices uh we are also on facebook.com slash smash those buttons which we've been doing more giveaways recently like what we give away we gave away a copy of sleeping dogs a copy of hitman a copy of far cry 3 uh i just gave away two beta keys for firefall closed beta i have another beta key i'm giving away thursday so i guess today 
So come on down to Crazy Jared's Code Giveaway. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, pretty much. Um, you know what we didn't do, though? Um, we didn't talk about what's coming out. No. Anything else coming out? I don't know. Does anything matter right now? <laughs> like, Shocks Infinite's what? out. Good like, day. What, what else matters? We got we got Game of the Year. End the year. Just end the fucking year right now. Yeah, like... I don't even know if there's anything decent coming out in the beginning of April. No, I mean, we're pretty much, everyone blew, like, everyone, like, just got all the good games out, like, it seems like already. And now we're just waiting at E3 to see what comes out at the end of the year. You got, like, Defiance, that MMO that's going to go along with that TV show coming out. You have the official release of Shoot Mania, which is meh. And you have what? You're not a frag doll. Uh, I'm not a fan. Not a fan. Yeah, have injustice. Which I mean, oh I've, yeah, I've seen it, and I, people who are in the fighting community appear to be uh, to to like it. It looks good, but I I've never been. See, here's my problem with it. It's got the Mortal Kombat style because it's made by NetherRealm. Go figure. Um, and I always play Mortal Kombat games for a while, and then I drop them really fast. Uh-huh. Like I start playing them and then I just stop playing. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm not big in the fighting games. I'll probably pick it up eventually, but we'll see. Uh, Dead Island Riptide, which for the longest time I thought was just DLC, but apparently I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, apparently it's a. F- I thought it was DLC too. Apparently it's a full blown game. Yeah, full blown game. Don't Starve, which is actually pretty cool. I played that at PAX, and it literally you just start the game and they give you an axe and you're supposed to survive. <laughs> you know, you got to chop trees and gather food and all types of stuff. It was actually pretty cool. But uh, yeah, nothing major coming out in April. So I guess April's the, a good time for us to take a little bit of a break and get ready for uh, the next season of the MASHcast. So uh, we're also on YouTube.com slash MASH those buttons. Haven't posted a lot of new stuff there recently, but the MASH stats are up there and the aftermath of Max Payne, and we have some new stuff coming soon, soon-ish. So some, yeah, hopefully before April is over, <laughs> we'll, we'll say. Um, but as always, thank you for listening. We, all, we definitely appreciate it, and we will catch you guys in three weeks. Have a great spring break. You're not going to say bye, Mike? Oh. <laughs> Well, I didn't know if I was going to get to come back. <laughs> I don't know. With the way you're, work, you're working now, I don't know if it's going to work out. Shit. Well, <laughs> goodbye. I Forever. I, 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 <laughs> I'm going to go cry in my little corner. And I'll see y'all, I guess, never at this rate. <laughs> and Mikey just fades into the wind. Goodbye. It's like... <laughs> Cue in really sad piano music. No, all right. Start playing the Hulk theme. You're, you're oh, walking down the boy. street. <laughs> only I'm I, only I've got my middle finger raised in the air, walking backwards, just saying "fuck it." <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm gonna cut this off now. You guys have a uh, nice three weeks. <laughs> right later. See you. Bye.